What's up, football fans? Welcome back to the According to Sources football podcast. I am your host, Alex Burns. I'm joined, as always, with my good buddy, TJ Shriano. TJ, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Had a good Mother's Day with Annika and just ready to talk some football. Nice. Yeah, we hope everybody out there had a great Mother's Day. Um, we're recording this the day after. I uh, just wanted to spend some time with our family um, yesterday. And it was my wife's. It was my f- wife's first Mother's Day. We just had our son uh, a little over a month ago, so... It was really nice. It's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to talk some football. Before we do, before we jump in, make sure you guys are following us uh, over at Twitter at ATS Football Pod. And that's our, according to sources, our podcast Twitter. So we're going to be active on there, tweeting about football. And then individually at TJ Striano and Alex Burns Hoops. And we'll have that in the description so you know how to spell it and all that stuff. But let's go ahead and jump right in. We have a lot of topics to, to kind of get to today. Uh, let's start off with around the league rapid fire, right? So this is, you know, a quick take, something that we're not going to spend a lot of time on, but these are just some nice, what would you say, headlines that kind of happened mm-hmm. during the past week. Uh, some are fun, some are more serious, but let's start off with the first one. Peyton Manning is interested in owning a football team. What do you think about that? Yeah, I saw that Bleacher Report article coming out saying that, like, even when he was back as a player, he was doing, he was like making moves to set himself up to own a team, and I thought that was like the most Peyton Manning thing I ever heard. Yeah. The dude's always, like, one step ahead of everybody. And, like, he was, like, ten steps ahead of everybody in that sake. Oh, I know. I love it. I think he's going to be a great, you know, owner or, or even general manager. I wouldn't even, mm-hmm. you know, think it has to be an owner. Uh, I This is, like, off topic, but I really can't wait for the first time we see an owner or, or I wouldn't say that, like, an owner player or, like, coach player. I don't know. I, I know, like, you know, a long time ago that happened more frequently. Mm-hmm. Where, like, in, you know, the, the early days of the NFL or, you know, NBA or something, you had a player that was also a coach or had some leadership position. But, yeah. I don't know. I feel like we need to bring that back. Maybe Peyton Manning can, can come back to the NFL and start it. Yeah, maybe he'll, like, be the first expansion team in a long time since, like, the Texans, right? That was the last one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I Listen, I'm a Peyton Manning fan. Um, I think he's a smart dude. Um, I, I don't think anybody, investor, you know, like, I don't think anybody would – withhold support from him. I think people will trust him and, oh, yeah. you know, he'd be trusted in that position. I did read something cause this was from the bleacher report article. Um, you know, that they could, they're kind of one of the people that leaked this and they said, um, when Michael Jordan bought his ownership stake in the Charlotte Hornets, I think he had to put down $175 million. Mm-hmm. And obviously the NBA isn't as, you know, lucrative as the NFL. And so if Peyton Manning, um, were to, you know, own a stake in a team, he'd be looking at like $2 billion as the cheapest option. Yeah. And not to put down, but like that's the cheapest it is to own a team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So he'd have to get support from investors and and all that stuff. But I don't think anybody would really withhold support, right? No, I don't think so either. Like the article is talking about how he kept met- meeting with all these owners and GMs and coaches like outside yeah. of his organization. So like he has the connections if he wanted to like just call up the Tennessee Titans and be like, hey, I want to buy like a 40% stake or something to yeah. do it and they might be like okay pay it off over time since you don't have two billion dollars laying around like you said exactly exactly still i'd love to see peyton manning back in football in some leadership capacity so that'd be nice uh moving on for the sake of fun um we are anticipating madden nfl 2000 is it 20 or 21 21 21 lamar jackson is going to be on the cover that's already been announced rightfully so 
But every year it's kind of this fun topic of like, who is uh, going to be the highest rated player? Who's going to be the lowest rated player? Um, I remember a couple years ago, or maybe like 10 years ago, remember TJ Hushmanzada? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> he was so upset at his rating, and he even, like, I think ESPN, like, had him call in with the, the you know, developers or something, and they talked about it. So ratings with Madden is always, like, a topic of just conversation. Yeah. Uh, for the sake of fun, what are your projections for some rookie Madden ratings? So, like, Burrow, some of the, the big rookies, what do you think? Yeah, so Burrow, I think he'll probably be the highest and probably should be. Yeah. Uh, outside of maybe Chase Young. Chase Young might be higher than him overall-wise. But I'm going to go with an 81 for Burrow. He's just got that, that accuracy and that placement, like in college, that they're just going to give him a high rating for. Yeah. Rightfully so. He should have the highest. I have him at an 85, so I'm a little oh, higher. Wow. I, I just want to state, you play Madden more than I do, so you're more I haven't tuned. played Madden in like eight months. I don't even own – I own Madden 19. That's my most <laughs> recent. I didn't get 20. Um, uh, so you know more, more than I do about this. But I just said 85, um, but for the same reasons you said. What about Tua? Tua, it's a tough one because I feel like he could be right behind Burrow. Yeah. He could be like a 78, 79. But like the whole injury thing, I think they're going to like knock him down a little bit because they're going to expect him not to come back at like full capacity. What so I'm going to say 75. Okay. I have him at 78. And then my favorite person, I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> Justin Herbert. <laughs> I think they're going to love him more than they like Tua because he's like that prototypical build. So I'm going to go 78. Yeah. So, you want to know what I have? What? I have a 70. <laughs> I don't okay. know, man. I don't know. I'm probably too low. Like I said, I'm not super familiar with Madden ratings, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just not a huge <laughs> You also sport. don't like him. I don't. I mean, I just, it's not that I don't like him. I just don't think he's going to be as, you know, as good as anticipated. I, I think he's Mitch Trubisky 2.0. Hot take, I know. I'll say it. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite late round player? Someone who's picked in like round six seven, someone like that who's going to make a big impact and be rated high, or maybe just slip because of a off-the-field concern, but, you know, should be solid. Yeah, I was going a little bit earlier than sixth or seventh round. I was going with Zach Bond, mm -hmm. 74. You're talking about a player that should have been a first-round pick, maybe early second round at worst. Yeah. So I'm going to go with, like, a 74 on him, which for, like, a late third-round pick, that's pretty high. Yeah, Zach Bond is really good. What do you go, the, the Saints got him, right? Yeah, like 70-something. But he was pretty <laughs> There was fair. talks of him going to the Patriots at 23, and the Saints got him at 70-something, 73, 74. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting. I would not be surprised to see him have the highest. Uh, for me, I put Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, That's a I good know, one. I just feel like he was a steal. I mean, I know there was some off-the-field uh, issues, I guess, I read. And they said um, he didn't have some good showings through the draft circuit mm -hmm. and trials with teams and stuff, so that's why he slipped. But uh, I'm a Michigan fan for college football, and so I've watched him for the past two, three years, and he's been incredible. Um, so that's why I think I think he's going to make a big impact, especially on a Browns offense that should, you know, kind of – the only way they can go is up. So I think he's yeah. going to have some targets and, and make an impact. And who is your 2020 Daniel Jones? I love, as a Giants fan, how you use Daniel Jones. And I like Daniel Jones. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Who's the 2020 Daniel Jones? Somebody who um, was drafted high or is a good prospect, but just because of the dislike or the hate for him, they just put him low. Like, what did, what did you – you said he was like a 64 and Tyree Jackson last year was 67? Yeah. So, like, the number six overall pick was rated, like, four, three or four points lower than the UDFA quarterback who got cut before the season started yeah. and was a backup quarterback in the XFL. That doesn't make any so, sense. Yeah. So even if you don't like him, he should at least be, like, the highest – non or the highest drafted or he shouldn't be lower than a UDFA at the middle no, 
No. He should at least be the lowest drafted quarterback ranking, even if you don't like him. That's a respect factor. Like, yeah. come on, Madden. What do you think? Who do you think that player is in this draft? Yeah. So my guy I got for this is going to be um, – I just lost the name. Oh, my gosh. Where is it? Jordan Brooks, the Seattle Seahawks pick. Okay. A lot of people thought he was a reach. Um, a lot of people also really liked him. I think Matt Miller said he could see him sneaking into the first <laughs> round. I think he even said the Seahawks because he's like, the Seahawks always do something that nobody expects. So he's like, that could be a good landing spot for him. So I think he's going to be like a 68. Yeah. Just because nobody was really on him except for a couple guys. The Seahawks love to waste first round picks. They do. <laughs> they love to waste really it on do. running backs they don't give carries to. They just sit on the sidelines. It's for real. Penny. I have uh, Justin Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't, like I said, I'm not super knowledgeable with the Madden, uh, the Madden world, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I think. Plays as a quarterback. I think he's not going to play right away. The, the mm-hmm. Chargers should be good without him. I don't think there's like really a, a need to rank him high. He's, I don't know. So that, that's my player. Moving on to the real NFL draft, um, Matt Miller this past week, he just released his way too early 2021 big board. And there were some, I mean, shocking people that, uh, you know, maybe they were a little too high or they were lower than we expected. Mm-hmm. What were some uh, things that stood out to you and what are you expecting in uh, 2021 through the NFL draft? Yeah, so I had a couple of things I wrote down for what I saw in his was like the first thing that stood out, which didn't take very long except the number four slot, which was Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. which I see a lot of people talking about him. He's like one of those big names to keep an eye on for next year. But the whole thing is like, you're talking about a player who is a, I want to say a redshirt sophomore started one season at North Dakota state, which like football fans know the school it's where Carson Wentz played from. It's like the powerhouse of the lower level of college football, but having him at number four, this early on, is like a big take. Yeah. And part of the reason why it's a big take is because of my second person which was Justin Fields at 24. It was it was way low, which was crazy. That shocked me. Yeah, which the more I've seen about that, the more people I see jumping to his defense on Twitter. So, like, everybody's all over him on Twitter for it, like all the Ohio State fans. Like, Justin Fields is the strongest following on Twitter right now for some reason. Yeah. And I see, like, other scouts and analysts and, like, Jim Nagy, like, jumping to his defense and is like, the NFL isn't that big on Justin Fields yet. So, like, unless he has another big year, this is right. That's why you need to follow TG on Twitter because he gets in Twitter arguments with people that really don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I just get so heated when I see something so stupid. Well, that's the thing that I don't understand. Like, guys, just because a player is really good in college, it doesn't mean his game translates 100% to the NFL. He's going to be – I mean, most of the time, yeah, you can look for things in college and it translates. But, I mean, I'm trying to think of a recent example of somebody who just was really good in college. Johnny Manziel, recent number one. Just yeah, great college player, one of the best college players of all time. Not a good NFL quarterback. There's a lot of things that just don't translate. Uh, For me, I was a little um, surprised to see Dylan Moses inside his top ten. And I will say that just because I think Dylan Moses is great, uh, was Mm -hmm. amazing. He was the the heart of that Alabama defense coming into last season. Coming off of a torn ACL, I'm interested to see how he responds to that. He missed the entire season. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought that was interesting. He was inside his top ten at number nine. Um, And then I also put Rondell Moore in there. And this is more of just like I love that player. And I'm just, I'm just excited to see him go to the NFL. I think he's like, I don't want to say he compares to Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is on his own island, but yeah. just that five foot nine, quick, shifty player. Um, he went to, he's at Purdue, and he made Purdue like, I think they got this first year they had like a bunch of national TV games, and he was amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see that. He, uh, Matt Miller had him at number sixteen, uh, runs a four three forty. Um, I'm excited to to see. But speaking of receiver, I mean. 
Wasn't there how many receivers was in the first round? Yeah, that was my next point. Was that he has seven in this top twenty-five? Which him and a couple of people I follow on Twitter were all saying that like this class isn't necessarily as deep or historic as last year's class, or I should say this year since it was only like two weeks yeah. ago. But it's got way more top end talent than last year. So he's got like Jamar Chase at number three overall, mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle at seven. I'm looking at it right now to make sure I don't say the wrong places. And then the next receiver is at 12. So that's three in the top 12 right there. That's insane. Two from Bama again, of course. And then Sage Surratt at 14. So you're talking four wide receivers in the top 15. And then he said Moore was what, 16? He was 16. Yeah. So that's five right there just in the top 16. And then I know for a fact you have Devontae Smith that's later on in the first round. He had him uh, at 12. So Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So Justin Ross is at 21. With Justin that's Ross, that's that's he's really good. So while I'm thinking about this, um, so obviously this past year, this past draft, a couple weeks ago, we've had a lot of receiver talent. We're expected to have a lot of receiver talent next year. Do you think this is going to be a trend moving forward with like, you're going to have more skilled players available in the, in the early rounds? Cause I feel like th- these next two years, you know, this year and, and next year, it's going to be crazy compared to the years past with receivers yeah. and, you know, a little bit less running backs too, by the way. Yeah. He was saying this class has like a lot of top end running backs because it's like running back one, two, mm-hmm. and three, I think, all went back to school from last year's draft. So he like had Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and I want to say somebody else has like his one, two, and three, and they all went back to school. Yeah. So like two of them are in his top 25, and one's like just outside of it. But yeah, I think it could be that. There's also like something to keep in mind. There's always some positions that are deeper some years than others. So like I want to say like last two years ago, maybe, it was like super defensive heavy. And, like, everybody's like, where are the quarterbacks going to go? Because they're not as good as these defensive players. Mm-hmm. And then, like, this year it's, like, full of wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, offensive tackles. I think he had, like, three or four defensive players in his top, like, 15. And then the rest was just, like, offense until you get to, like, 21. <laughs> How about Nick Saban had four potential first-round receivers on his team and two a top-five quarterback for the same – all in one year. That's insane. And Najee Harris and Jedrick yeah. Wills and Alex Leatherwood. Insane. All first-round picks. <laughs> that's like – I mean, that's like the the LSU team that had Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry. I want to – I don't want to say Zach Mettenberger, but I'm going to say because he was good in college. But yeah. Jeremy Hill, and they didn't – and everybody's like, oh, they didn't win a championship. And it was just insane. Um, that's crazy. Uh, I am, as a Dolphin fan, now that I'm thinking about it, I do like this, and I think the Dolphins organization – kind of saw this coming and they're like, Hey, let's, let's invest a really high pick in our franchise quarterback in 2020. And then look at the, the you know, the skill position players that are available next year. So mm-hmm. I think next year will be the year that we're going to surround him with talent and, you know, young talent. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of think Fitzpatrick might start, well, he's probably going to start to begin the season because two is not healthy, but I wouldn't be surprised for this to be similar to mm-hmm. a Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert situation. Cause I feel like Fitzpatrick is competent. I mean, he's like the, he's like a fan favorite. People love him. He's going to put tickets if fans are at games this year. And yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I'm I'm happy with with kind of how this is all playing out as a Dolphin fan, just so we can get some talent next year. And because like we don't need a quarterback, we'll just worry about talent, offensive line, offensive help, defense help, and just some maybe get a star set of receiver in the first round, something like that. So mm-hmm. um, I like it. Let's move on to notable rookie jersey numbers. Yeah, <laughs> some are so- really bad and some are really good. Yeah, so some of them I have that I really like, and some I have that's like huge question marks, like what are you doing? Yeah. Who so the first like? one I have is Tua. I like Tua being number one. Uh, he definitely wasn't going to be 13. Like he was a Bama. We all knew that coming in. 
Um, and something I thought was cool, I saw a picture floating around before his jersey number came out of him in like the high school All-American bowl game thing. And he was number 12. So it's like, what's the difference between 13 and 12? One. So I wonder if like that was kind of like his thinking. He or if he's just like, <laughs> yeah. Or if he just like was like, oh, I'll just do number one. Like, yes, my quarterback can do math. That's the start. That's really good. Yeah, I like I like that. Um, I don't know. This is a conversation for another podcast, but I just saw it's like on a lighter note. There's been this debate on Twitter going around. Like, is it still cool for adults to wear jerseys to games? I think it is. I don't know. I mean, I think it is. I just don't get them because I hate how you'll get – like, I got a Jarvis Landry jersey for the Dolphins. Premium. I got it stitched, and then the next year he leaves, and now it's, I don't even use it. So it's like – yeah, I don't know. Um, I would get it to a jersey. I feel like he's going to be in Miami for a long time. I wrote yeah. down C.D. Lamb. I thought that was interesting that they gave him number 88. Um, yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, though, they kind of always give away numbers. There's really not, like uh, – Yeah. I mean, they don't really, like re- – the Cowboys not retire numbers? Is that what it is? I don't know if they do or not. But they, the 88's like, the trend for, like, the top receiver, which yeah. I didn't put this that one down. But I didn't think it was interesting because, like, it was Michael Irving – yeah. Then nobody had it until Des Bryant, and then nobody's had it since Des Bryant till now. So it's almost yeah. like they value him more than they value Mark Cooper. Exactly, but I mean, then you could say because what was Mark Cooper and when he was in Oakland was what was he was he still nineteen? I think he was. Yeah, I think he was. He was nineteen, so maybe he just chose to keep his number. But I thought that was just interesting. I mean, I'm not reading into it. Uh, I think people on Twitter tried to read into it a little bit earlier in the week when it happened. But mm-hmm. Jerry Jones is Jerry Jones. Ceedee Lamb's number eighty-eight. Going to be a good offense. Yeah. Uh, who do you dislike? So another one I dislike is Jerry Judy being number 10. Like, that's just weird. I hate number 10 on receivers. It just looks weird. It's like, why is the quarterback in the slot? Like, yeah. it's just weird. I don't like it. We need to go back to having receivers strictly in the 80s, in my opinion. I like receivers in the teens, just not number 10. I, I mean, I don't really care, but in the 80s, those were the old days. I miss those days mm-hmm. when all these skill players didn't have ra- random quarterback numbers and, and stuff. Pretty soon we're going to have, like, running backs have offensive lineman numbers in, in the 70s and 60s and, and everything. So, I don't know. I also wrote down, um, before I move past it, I wrote down Kenneth Murray Jr. Uh, for the Chargers. He's number 56. That's Sean Merriman's old jersey. Yeah. Kind of interesting. See if he can fill those shoes. Yeah. Um, to finish up this uh, around the league rapid fire, uh, let's kind of get the pace moving a little bit more. Uh, notable fifth-year options that were picked up. Um, yeah. Obviously, you have, what, Fournette, Hooker, Trubisky. I mean, a lot of the, the big names, you heard about mm-hmm. it. What do you think about, you know, some of those guys? Anything you want to get into? Yeah, so Mitch, like, this was kind of obvious. Like, it's a surprise because you think would Pace would want to accept the option and try to keep his job in that sense and be like, oh, no, we believe in him. We're, like, we're taking it because we believe in him. But he didn't. Mm-hmm. So, to me, this screams Nick Foles is the guy, even if they mm-hmm. say they believe in, Nick, uh, in Mitch Trubisky. But that's – it's just weird. And then Hooker, I was, like, baffled by this. It makes sense now that I'm thinking back on it because they took Terrell Burgess. Yeah. Or not Terrell Burgess, uh, Julian Blackman. Blackman. Who can play all over the secondary. But at the same time, like, Hooker was good. He just was injured. Yeah. And, and I think something, too, is is we forget, at least I forgot, after the season last year, Chris Ballard went on record saying he we thought that Hooker was good, not great. And so mm-hmm. that was, like, weird. I, I just don't remember, like, GMs really coming out and saying that about an individual player. So maybe there's something there. Yeah. I don't know. I know he didn't have the best year last year. He was a little inconsistent, and especially as the season wore on. But like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he battled a little bit of injuries. Um, you know, I don't know. I think he's a good player. I Listen, if the Dolphins want to sign him after the season, go for it. I'd be happy. Yeah. Um, I, think I have one more yeah, go for that it. I want to talk about for that before we move on, which was Hassan Reddick. Okay, yeah, I have he- that written down, too. Okay, then you go on your on your no. pitch take, and then we'll okay. hit that. 
Okay. So Mitch Trubisky, I just want to kind of reiterate what you said. I think the Bears want him to win the job. Um, I think if Foles doesn't play some sort of competent quarterback this year, I think Pace is easily gone, and Nagy could go down with the ship too. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really have anything other than you said. I just think that like Foles is going to get the first crack. I think they want Trubisky to win the job. And if mm-hmm. Foles does win the job, for a fantasy perspective, I'm literally upgrading every single one of my Bears, like, weapons. Allen Robinson, <laughs> Anthony Miller, Tariq Cohen. So I hope Foles gets the job. Yeah. But I don't know. I want to hear the Reddick take. Yeah, so Hassan Reddick, I think it's a combination of asking to do too much too early on and bad coaching yeah. that led to this. I think what's going to end up happening is he's going to leave the Cardinals. Nobody's really going to want him. And then somebody like Bill Belichick is going to pick him up and turn him into an all-pro. Would not be surprised. He's literally like the same mold as Jamie Collins, like all those guys mm-hmm. that he always has, like Van Noy, Dante Hightower, that just do everything at at least an average level, and he's going to make him a great player. He's He kind of got screwed over, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is he? Like you said, coaching was completely changed. He's I think had, he's had a different coach every year. And he's he's literally flip-flop schemes every year. It was a 3-4, mm-hmm. four, 4-3, four, then 3-4 again last year. And yeah, they switched from a 4-3 to a 3-4 like twice during uh, – who was the guy they had before Kingsbury? I can't remember his name. The guy who was with Pan- the Panthers, the D coordinator. I can't – I don't know. It was Steve something. I can't remember. Uh, but the first thing that came to mind is Steve Spagnuolo, but I know that's not the truth. Yeah, they went from a 3-4 to a 4-3. Steve, Steve, Steve Wilkes. Wilkes. Yes. yes. So under him, they went from a 3-4 to a 4-3. He got fired. Then they went back to a 3-4. Like, What? For young, especially for a young player, and then they drafted Devondre Campbell, Isaiah Simmons this past year, and then Devon Kennard, and they pretty pretty much play the same position and can do the same stuff on the field. Mm-hmm. And you know, Isaiah Simmons was was his death sentence, I think. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I don't know. Should uh, <laughs> do you want to hit on Garrett Bowles, who the Broncos declined? Do you have anything to say about that one? I was just surprised they declined it since they didn't draft a tackle early. Yeah. That's all I had to say about that. Like I understand the decision; he was like a walking penalty, mm-hmm. but I'm just surprised they didn't draft a tackle. <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm reading our my the next thing that we have written down to talk, and I don't know if you if you want to talk about it. I'm just gonna throw it out there. If you have anything you want to talk about, Earl no. Tom, Earl Thomas Orgy. <laughs> yeah, that such an interesting story, and it's like I I don't get why players do stuff like this to themselves and sabotage themselves during coronavirus. <laughs> I know it's a wrong time to have an orgy, and then I heard it was with his brother. Yes, completely. Like, that's 10 times – I don't know. Players just do stupid stuff when they're bored and get themselves in trouble. At least it wasn't like Plaxico Burra shooting himself in the leg in a strip club. Dude, I'm, At not least it wasn't that. I'm not justifying her holding him at gunpoint, but if you're stupid enough to have an orgy during coronavirus – With your with, brother. With your brother. I don't know. That's pretty weird. I mainly just wanted to say Earl Thomas orgy on the air. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about it. So uh, on a more serious note, I don't know how I'm going to recover from this one. On a more serious note, Cam Newton, uh, there was a report he would take less money um, and would be willing to play for a, play a backup role for a team. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, so I, didn't, I couldn't really think of anywhere he could go that still made sense like we talked about last week. And then Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk were talking this week. I think that sent it to you. Mm-hmm. And A.J. Hawk was saying he heard from a scout inside the league that Cam wants backup money. He said this before the report came out, or it would be open to a backup role. And he was like, I can't think of anything that makes sense except for New England. Kind of said the same thing we said, like, Bill would have already got him if he wanted him. He'd already be the starter. But then he said the scout said his theory is that Cam should go to the Steelers on like a kind of like a prove it contract, like a one year, two year deal. Yeah. 
Yeah. With like incentives loaded where if he like beats out Ben or like Ben goes down, he starts, he gets more money. So it's like a $6 million contract. Yeah. Ben goes down with an injury. He becomes a starter. Ben comes back. He keeps the job. It goes up to like $20 million for the next year. I like it. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And to your point that you brought up on the last episode, um, and I actually put this in my rankings. I put up my quarterback rankings, you know, the early fantasy rankings uh, this past week. And I actually um, used some, something you said in the last episode, but you said like Cam Newton has a distraction factor where like wherever he goes, as soon as the quarterback in front of him starts, you know, throw, has a stretch of bad games, the crowd's going to be chanting for, you know, Hey, Cam mm-hmm. Newton, the former MVP, come in. And, you know, I don't think teams want that, especially for a young developing quarterback, but I don't think you really, I don't see that being a factor in, Pittsburgh though, because Big Ben, they kind of know he's on his way out soon. Yeah, I mean he's on his way out, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like that could be a good situation. I mean, a, a healthy situation. I trust mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin to handle the locker room. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm agreeing agreement with you on that one. Uh, moving on down, and this is what I'm, I'm really excited about because this yeah. is the big news of the week. The NFL released their 2020 schedule uh, for the upcoming season. Um, man, a lot of really good matchups. We got the prime time schedules. The games we'll be seeing. Um, some rematches from some crazy rivalries last year. What matchups mm-hmm. are you looking forward to watching? Yeah, so the first one I got through down, which is like going to be like the offensive fire show of the year, which is Ravens Chiefs during week three. Oh boy. And I just I can't wait to see because I feel like the Chiefs defense has gotten a lot better. They have. I can't wait to see how they attack that run game. I can't wait to see how Lamar progresses as a passer. And then, like, I just can't wait to see healthy Pat Mahomes again. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be fun. And that's going to be like the, your, your number one and number two fantasy quarterback, most likely. Like, mm-hmm. it, it'll be a shootout. I put Titans at Ravens week 10. And Ooh. I'm excited for that one. Uh, you have to think the Ravens have that game circled on their calendar. Um, who knows what the Titans will look like this year. But, I mean, we already know the Ravens are going to be pretty solid. But that's going to be a nice AFC battle. Maybe it has playoff implications in week 10. You know, yeah. who knows? Maybe maybe Cole McDonald will be starting by then. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? What do you think? This jumped out at me. I just I don't understand this at all. Why does New England have five primetime games? They're going to be a boring team. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I noticed that. And somebody I saw somebody say this. I can't remember who it was. But they were saying that, like, with Bill still coaching the team, their defense is going to win the make games. So they'll still be, like, a good football team. So that's probably part of why. It's like they're still a contender even if Jared Stidham sucks. Yeah. We need to start talking about Sonny Michelle. And he's kind of like off everybody's radar this year because he kind of sucked last year. But he yeah. might have a freaking volume heavy workload this year because if their defense is really good, which they are, I mean, they lost mm-hmm. a lot of uh, key pieces. But I mean, I, I, I forgot who said this, but somebody I was listening to this past week said if you go back to all the games that uh, Belichick has played without Brady, Matt Castle years, uh, all mm-hmm. those years. Uh, I remember that. They run like crazy. So who knows? I mean, Sonny Michelle might be a good – be a good fantasy option in the later rounds. Um, another one I have, Cardinal Seahawks, Week 11, primetime. I love this for the same reason as before. It could have playoff implications uh, early in the season. Um, I think that the Cardinals are going to be a lot better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Seahawks are always competitive. So uh, it's, it's fun when that division is good. Like when yeah. teams are good. And not just, you know, everybody running over the Cardinals. So um, yeah. it could be a good big test for, you know, Kyler Murray and the, the young Cardinals team. So I like that one. Yeah, we'll get to it in a little bit. But the Cardinals and that whole division are really good this year. And it's mm-hmm. going to be a really fun division. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know who's like the odd man out right now. 
Like, I'm leaning towards the Rams, honestly. I feel like every team has gotten better or at least kept par with where they were last year, where the Rams, I feel like they didn't do anything to get better. But then you could also say with them, is it's like it's like the AFC East. Like, you could say, oh, the Jets are going to suck. You're like, okay, yeah, there's really nothing to convince me that the Jets are going to be a freaking playoff team this year. But the mm-hmm. Rams, like, you have to say, too, although I do agree with you, they do have Sean McVay. And Jared Goff, I mean, if they click this year, I mean, they could still be really good too. So it's like – That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I didn't think it happened. It's just weird. I think it's it's a division with four playoff teams where one or two of them are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm excited for, for that, especially as we get later on the season. What do you think about the Chiefs and their schedule? Yeah, I think they can repeat. They do have some tough matchups. Like I'm pulling up the schedule now to look at it. Yeah. They have Green Bay week one, it looks like. Texans, a better Chargers team. Ravens, Patriots, Raiders, they'll probably smash them, but like the Raiders did get a lot better. Bills, Broncos, Raiders again, Broncos again, Saints, Falcons, and then Chargers close season. Like it's a tough schedule, but I do think they're the better team than most of those teams, but that's a tough schedule. I agree with you, and I think as long as they have Mahomes, you can do anything. Um, Mm -hmm. And Andy Reid. Let's talk about like really quick fantasy perspective. In the fantasy playoffs, they're playing the Dolphins, the Saints, and the Falcons in the fantasy playoffs. Like, that's going to be insane. I am being semi-serious. I don't think this is going to happen. I am going to try in one of my leagues to get Hill as my first pick, Kelsey as my second, and Mahomes in the third, and just stack the crap out of this team this year. I don't know. Maybe even get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire instead of Kelsey or something, but it'll be dynamite. I feel like Clyde's going to be that guy this year that, like, goes in the first round for some reason just because he's on the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. He's already in mock drafts. He's already won end of the first, early second. So, I don't know. I think Damian Williams is going to start to begin the year. He deserves it. Yeah. But what about uh, strength of schedule? How about giving them the Ravens the easiest schedule in the entire NFL? Yeah. Them and the Colts are, like, somehow have a walk into the playoffs. It's not even fair. (laughs) The next point we're supposed to talk about is, who like, who has the easy run to the playoffs. And I didn't mention the Ravens because, like, they're easy to walk to the playoffs either way as long as they have Lamar Jackson. Mm Mm-hmm. But the Colts have – I think it was, like, the easiest strength of schedule based on last year's record. And then adjusted for, like, the Vegas odds predicting this year's wins, they still have the easiest by an even bigger margin. It's mm-hmm. so dumb. Like, yeah, how's a team that good get that week of a schedule? Yeah. And then the Patriots have the toughest schedule, and it's like they wait till the year that Tom Brady leaves to give them the tough – because they've always had top ten, you know, mm-hmm. easiest schedule. Tom Brady leaves, and now they have the toughest schedule with Jarrett Siddham. So – I don't know. I don't know what goes in um, to that. There's a matchup that was later on the season. I think it was uh, – I can't remember what it was, but it's like some – it's going to be a shootout. It's like the Chiefs and the Saints or something, and they didn't put it on primetime. They put it on uh, Fox, like at four, and I'm just like – and the Monday Night Football game is like the Steelers versus the Patriots. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing – like, I don't understand what goes into them making the schedules and putting – Yeah, games. here it is. Saints – uh, Chiefs, December 20th, Sunday, 425. Yes. I, mean, I know that's like national TV, but I, I don't know. I don't get why that's not Sunday or Monday. I, that's going to be a shootout. Yeah. It's going to be a good game. One more game I'm excited for, mm-hmm. now that we're talking about the Saints a little bit, is 49ers Saints. I think yes. that's our, our NFC Championship preview game right there. 100%. 100%. Do you th- I mean, I don't know. I'm going to say that for now. I have something to say, but I'm going to save it till another podcast. It's more content. Okay. <laughs> um, since we talked about the schedule release, looking forward to the season now with the schedules, what are some 2020 bold predictions that you have? Um, like, for example, uh, who some uh, teams you think who will miss and make the playoffs? Let's start with who you think will make the playoffs. So two teams I'm betting on make the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, Colts and Cardinals. 
I tried to go different conferences. Uh, Colts, like we just talked about, super easy schedule. I think even if Philip Rivers sucks, they're going to have a dominant run game now with Jonathan Taylor. Defense got so much better adding DeForest Buckner in the middle, added more weapons at receiver, added more offensive line pieces. Like, they're just going to be a really good team. Yeah. And then the Cardinals, I think they just did so much to get better. Like, offensive line's better, defensive play is better. Adding Isaiah Simmons improves, like, every aspect of their defense. And like we talked about last week, year two of Cliff and Kyler, and Cliff probably hasn't even touched his playbook, really. Mm-hmm. So I just think they're going to have a big jump this year. They're my team I'm betting on for playoff run. I'm in on that. Yeah, like we said earlier, that division's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the Steelers making the playoffs. I think they're I can see that. I, I don't think it's it would come as a shock to many people, but I you know the schedule, they have that the second or third easiest schedule. Uh, the season, Big Ben coming back is going to be mm-hmm. an upgrade for that offense. Their defense was really good last year. People forget that. Uh, especially after they got Minka Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins. Yep. Um, and I mean, you still got Joe Hayden, um, Deion Bush, or Deion Bush. Uh, what's the linebacker from Michigan? I can't. I'm blanking. Linebacker of Michigan. It's uh it's something Bush. Yeah, Devin Bush. Devin, Devin Bush. Bush. Uh, he was incredible as a rookie last year. So <laughs> I don't know. I think that that defense is going to be really good. They're always pretty solid. I think the Steelers make the playoffs. What about some teams you think will miss the playoffs? Shockingly. So Texans is one. I think. Phil O'Brien is trying to show he's smarter than everybody in the league. And that's why he's making some of these moves. And like we talked about the Hopkins trade last week. If what I think they're trying to do with their receiving core is right, then I understand it. But you don't trade Nuke for what he traded him for. And I think J.J. Watt's probably going to miss a lot of time again. Whitney Merciless might miss a lot of time again. And for all we know, one of them or both of them or Watson or somebody could all just like, no, nah, I'm not playing here anymore midseason. Yeah. Would you say the the Houston Texans are like the well, I don't know. I was gonna say like like the two thousand and twelve or the that Oklahoma City Thunder basketball team that had so much talent and just could not win. Yes. <laughs> and now they're starting to break up now and it's like how do you you're gonna we're gonna look back on this ten years ago and be like, How do you have this many this much talent on defense and offense and you literally cannot even make this I don't know. Yeah. Don't so know. then my other team for the NFC is the Seahawks. Oh like, wow. I, yeah. That's a hot so, take. So we talked about that division having four playoff teams. And I think the NFC is just so loaded with talented teams this year that even though we added a second wildcard spot, and usually there's always always one division that's two playoff teams, obviously, because with like division winners and wildcard, now there's two. I think we will see two different divisions get a wildcard slot instead of like three from one division. Mm -hmm. I think we have the 49ers and the Cardinals getting in from that division. And then I could see the Packers and the Vikings getting in from another division. So that, that knocks out Seattle right there. That would be insane. Uh, I heard you say the Vikings will get in. That's my team that I think will miss. I think the Vikings oh. will miss. I know. It could be a hot take. Um, lost a lot of major key pieces on defense in the offseason. Um, Stephon Diggs obviously went to Buffalo. Adam Thielen can't stay on the field as of late. He's always hurt. Uh, I think they're in a tough division this year. Packers 13-3, and even though it might have been a little bit of a, a fake season. Bears are going to be a little bit better this year. And then I think if Matt Stafford can stay healthy, the Lions are a freaking scary team. Matt Stafford was on pace for 38 touchdown passes last year before he went hurt, or if he got hurt. Yeah. So if he can come back and have that same kind of uh, play, I think the, the Lions will be pretty competitive this year too. Plus TJ Hawkinson year two, obviously the threat they have mm-hmm. receiver, DeAndre Swift. Um, their defense might be a little lack there. But I don't know. I think the Vikings would miss. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kirk Cousins – completely folding on primetime like he usually does and just freaking out. I don't know. 
Vikings are my team. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be like Super Bowl contenders, but I think they'll still make the playoffs. They're just too talented. They replaced like everybody they lost in the draft. Yeah. It'll be interesting. What about some coaches on the hot seat? What do you think? So, um, so this one was actually my last one I plan on talking about, but since you just talked about them as the team that could potentially make a playoff run, Chicago yeah. – or Detroit, sorry. Okay. Detroit Lions. I see Matt Patricia just making some moves that are like alienating some players. And like Darius Slay has probably been the quietest – cornerback in the NFL for his whole career even being like an underrated top corner and all of a sudden he's like I want out get me out of Detroit you have Quandre Diggs doing the same thing looking like an all pro in Seattle mm-hmm. I I could see Matthew Stafford getting hurt again them not really having a plan for it in between like the last few years and that I think Patricia's out huh I'd be I mean what would it be three years if he's fired at the end of the season I think so yeah three years this would be his third year, yeah. Yeah, I'm aboard with that. Um, I mean, there's some obvious ones, like Doug Barone. I mean, I think yeah. the Jalen Ramsey thing really put him on the hot seat. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think Dan Quinn is on the hot seat. Um, I, I mean, it's not a shocker because they've been saying that for the last couple years. Yeah. Um, I just don't think injury – like, you can't use injuries as an excuse for your entire career. Like, at some point, mm-hmm. you have to win. And that's another example of somebody like the Oklahoma City Thunder basketball team who has so much freaking talent, and they just yeah. can't put it together. Um, I, I have a hot take on a coach. The next person I'm going to say, who? <laughs> Anthony Lynn. It's a hot take. I, I I could see him starting to get on the hot seat this season. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's there yet. I just feel like they have had such good talent on both sides of the ball for the past, for uh, at least for the past three years. And whether you want to blame Philip Rivers for just constantly throwing twenty plus interceptions every year. I, I don't know. I just think they can't really put it together. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL, young talent mm-hmm. defense, talented defenses. Um, I don't know if they would want to make a change with Herbert and just kind of screw his beginning up, but I just wouldn't be surprised to see them move on and be like, you know what, we have a new quarterback. We're starting a new, you know, a new season, a new, a new, uh, new way. So we're going to get a new coach. It's a hot take. I, I understand that. Yeah, time, so. I can see it. I think, I think it'll be on the hot seat next year. If they yeah. play bad again this year, I don't think he's there yet. I think they're like, all right, Rivers is gone. Here's your chance to show that it was bad QB play. Tyrod, Herbert, whoever you want to go with. Yeah. We trust you. Let it happen. If they have a bad year, I could see them revisiting and be like, this is your last season if you don't start playing well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like saying that, though, because I like Anthony Lynn so much. I think he's a really good coach. And I yeah. wish they could have put it together um, the last two seasons because they've had a lot of people had them as their Super Bowl pick. Um, mm-hmm like a dark horse Super Bowl pick the last couple of years. Uh, so I don't know. Um, should we talk about the trade deadline? Some players yeah, you think, I mean, who were going to be traded at the trade deadline, maybe somewhere in the beginning of the season. I feel like you have a hot take brewing on this one. I have two, I think. Let's hear it. I have, so the first one is Deshaun Watson. That's a, that's a flaming, that's a hot take. Yeah. So the reason I say that is he's, it seems like he's going the whole Stefan Diggs route so far since New got traded with just quoting random rappers that like sound like he wants to get traded, yeah. just like Diggs did for like three years. And like I could just see, like I just talked about before with Houston missing the playoffs, I could just see somebody, whether it's him or JJ Watt, being like, I'm done with Bill O'Brien, trade me now. And I could see Bill O'Brien being like, Oh, I'm the best coach in the league. I could win this without Watson and just trade him. Bill O'Brien, yeah. If Bill O'Brien traded uh, Deshaun Watson, I don't know. I mean, he, he honestly, and I'm not saying this, he honestly should get drug tested. Like, if you're going to test, yeah. like, the players, like, that that would make no sense if he did that. 
He'd probably um, get like a fourth round pick and a peanut butter jelly sandwich for literally, him. Literally, <laughs> literally. And isn't he the GM or he's the what is he the president yeah, of football? He's the GM and the coach. So he's gonna get fired from two positions. He's <laughs> he's time. literally Bill Belichick with the actual title because I don't think Bill Belichick actually has the title GM. And with not without Bill Belichick's talent at coaching. Yeah. So that's that's I don't know. I mean, it, listen after. DeAndre Hopkins was sent to the Cardinals and they didn't get a first round pick. Anything's possible with him. So mm-hmm. it really isn't that much of a hot take if you really want to, you know, say we're talking about yeah. Bill O'Brien. Um, While we're talking about him, I don't think this will actually happen, but I would love to see JJ Watt get traded to the Steelers just so all three oh, Watt brothers are on the same team. That'd be insane. Can you imagine him and uh, Cam Hayward on the same line? It would be insane. It would be it would be awesome. I mean, listen, wouldn't put it past Bill O'Brien to start trading some people. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Yannick and Gakwe, which that whole yeah Twitter drama, the Twitter beef between him and the Jaguars. Um. I thought he would already been traded, but I guess they franchise tagged him. So. Yeah. I thought he would get traded uh, during round one night. I thought they would like either use him and pick twenty to move up for a player, or just trade him to get into the back end or something. Yeah. And then the entire draft went draft went on, and he didn't get traded. Like, at least Trent Williams got traded for, like, a, what was it, like a fourth-round pick or something? Yeah. But they didn't do anything with him. So I think he'll get traded around the deadline so they can maximize his value, even if he doesn't play until he gets traded. It's just odd to me. Like, I, I don't know. I know it's a business. It's just weird how a team would want to franchise tag a player and pay him a lot of money when he clearly doesn't want to be there. And I just feel like – I know that nobody's really expecting the Jaguars to be really competitive this year, but I just feel like it's got to lead to problems in the locker room. Yeah. Just not a good, you know, uh, culture, and, and I don't know. Anybody else you have? Who could yeah, so the second hot take I have is Melvin Ingram. Oh, my gosh. And so the reason why I have him on there is because both him and Joey Bosa are due for contracts at the same time. And we're paying and for so. I don't – yeah, that's exactly why. That's the only reason. I yeah. think they're going to trade Melvin Ingram before his value has gone or before he just walks rather than – trying to figure out how to sign both of them or just let them walk in free agency. Could definitely see that happening. Even more if they start the season out poorly and they want to look ahead to the, you know, the future. And that would be probably Anthony Lynn if they started out poorly would probably be on the hot seat, like you said. Have you noticed that some of the players we've named that are on the hot seat, uh, they're all correlate with their coach that we've said that is on the hot seat before? Yeah. So it's like the teams are going to be much. awful or, you know, not being as competitive. The, the, the player's going to get traded or the coach is going to get fired. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I just think we need to see what happens in the first couple of weeks before we really know. But there's a couple of players there, obviously, that would not be surprising at all. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to um, some players we think um, in the 2020 season will either regress or make the leap. So maybe they're a young player in the last year. They, they had a small role, but this year their role is going to expand. I guess this can really be like a fantasy implication. Um, yeah, indirectly. Yeah, indirectly. Um, so what are some players to start off with that you think are going to regress in 2020? Yeah, so this one might be a hot take. I know you probably disagree with it. It's Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. I just think that Brady always targets one or two guys, whether it's his running back and his tight end or his tight end and one receiver. He doesn't really spread the love too much. Like, he will, like, but it's not dominant numbers across the board for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I could see Chris Godwin not getting a lot of targets. I could see it going to whoever plays the slot for them, Gronkowski, and then – Keyshawn Vaughn, like we talked about, and then Mike Evans, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I think that just leaves Godwin as the admin now. I think he'll still be good. He'll still be fantasy relevant. I don't think he'll be a top 10 player like he was last year at his position. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. And I want people to stop slouching on Mike Evans, too, because 
just because the monster he's amazing he's incredible and he's just like the fact that he is coming into 2020 as number one overlooked and number two like behind chris godwin is insane that's going to be a really good offense this year maybe not for fantasy applications but real life it's going to be a really good offense um Mm -hmm. i have james connor um i think james connor's gonna regress a lot i just think he can't stay healthy um they've already come out this week and said they want to limit his touches a little bit um anthony mcfarland jr is going to be going to be a threat i don't know i think he's going to steal a job yeah i think they want him to steal the job i don't think they trust james connor so uh and then while i'm on running backs i also have Le'Veon bell i think Le'Veon bell can I like take like thirty seconds and just rant about Go something real quick? I cannot stand Adam Gase. He is literally the worst head coach I have ever seen in my life. Outside of Peyton Manning, he has no accolades at all. He ruins people's fantasy value. He literally has lost me matchups because he's stupid and doesn't know how to coach a freaking team. I why did he sign Frank Gorgon? You drafted Michael P. Ryan. You should want him to develop behind Le'Veon Bell, who is a really good pass catching back in his own right. Why do you draft Frank or sign Frank Gore? Why? The like, if you say, "Oh, he's gonna get goal line touches," the Jets were the bottom five team last year, and even having goal line opportunities, they don't even get to the inside the ten mm-hmm. yard. Why is I don't I, I just think he's an idiot. I don't think it's any yep. surprise that the year after Ryan Tannehill comes away from him, he wins comeback player of the freaking year, the one yeah. year away from Adam Gase. So I don't know. Le'Veon yeah. Bell could have regressed this year. I'm not touching him in fantasy leagues and, and stuff. So, Yeah, that's right. I think Gase is also in the hot seat. I think that's an obvious one, though. That's why I didn't throw him down. Gase should and be in the hot seat for freaking – he should go to jail. I think the draft shows that this is Joe Douglas's team, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not concerned at all about the future of the Jets. Let's remember, too, Gase doesn't like Bell. I think that came out before they when they signed him. He didn't really want him. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know what, but he's completely ruined Bell's fantasy value in a year and a half. So – I don't know. Do you have anybody else who you think we're going to yeah, address? So while we're talking about running backs, Marlon Mack. Yes. I think he's just not that like alpha dog type of guy from what it seems like at least. Yes. And I think he's going to immediately get slotted into that like change of pace back while JT yes. runs over people with that 4.39 speed. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, Naeem Hines is going to be involved in the passing game. Marlon Mack isn't really a pass catching back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might. I mean, he might be non-existent <laughs> this year. He could be another trade target, like a like a low key yeah. one. That's not gonna be a big splash, but he could be another trade target. Yeah, that's very true. I don't know. Let's move over to players you think will make the leap in yeah. 2020. Who are some guys you got? So I got two that I'm really big on, and one was just like a I could see this happening, so I threw his name down. Mm-hmm. First one's Kyler Murray. Um, talked about it a lot. Think he's gonna make a huge jump. Um, did great as a small, quick little uh, quarterback for NFL <laughs> standards, and. Murray and Kingsbury, year two. He's just going to put up big numbers. Mm-hmm. The other guy that I'm big on for this year is Darius Slayton from the Giants. He looked really good last year. Uh, was a steal in the fourth round last year. Everybody's saying that he has traits to be a number one receiver, even good. though he's not that like traditional big X receiver. And I get to see him making a big jump with a healthy Golden Tate, a healthy Sterling Shepard, hopefully a healthy Evan Ingram, and just better coaching in general. Yeah, I agree with that one. And actually – uh, leads me into my uh, first player, who I think is going to make the leap, and you're going to be very happy with this, Daniel Jones. Listen, I've done a lot of studying the last two weeks on quarterbacks heading into uh, 2020. I'm yeah. really high on Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is going to be really solid this year. He threw 24 touchdown passes in 13 games in 2019. Yep. That's pretty good for a rookie. Also, he connected with Darius Slayton, to your point, eight times last year. And 
we know Darius Slayton was in and out of the uh, with an injury, and um, the fact that you know he was able to do that as a rookie is really good. Uh, what was yeah. the the little nugget that uh, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate played zero combined snaps at the same time mm-hmm. last year, and with a rookie QB, he did you know was as, as impressive as he was. I think he's going to be yeah. really good in twenty twenty. And we barely had a left tackle last year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm big on Daniel Jones. I think yeah, I have him at my yeah. 18th or 17th best quarterback for fantasy purposes, but I'm gonna probably move him up like pretty high. Yeah, I think so. the system that Jason Garrett brings in will help him pass a lot. They had the number one passing offense under him like every year when he was solely an offensive coordinator. They were like top five every season. Mm-hmm. So I could see that happening for sure. Yeah. Anybody else you got? Yeah. So the other guy I have is Miles Sanders. I think this is gonna be his year to just take over. Um, they invested a lot in the other areas of weakness. So I think having more weapons for Carson Wentz, uh, having more continuity on the offensive line, having a better defense is just going to allow them to run the ball the way they want to now rather than trying to force the run because the pass isn't working with fifth-string receivers. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Miles Sanders is going to be good. The only thing that worries me about him, um, both real life and from a, a fantasy perspective, is Doug Peterson always uses multiple running backs. And I just – I don't know. I think last year towards the end of the season, Miles Sanders really got – a lot of carries and opportunities mainly because there was everybody was hurt. He didn't really have a lot of people to put out there. So I think it'll be interesting to see, but I would not be surprised. The fantasy community is really high on Sanders this year. I've seen him go as high as number seven overall in drafts. And I think that's way too high. Um, but like, yeah, so everybody agrees. Like all the experts agree with that take hundred percent. I feel uh, good now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. Uh, moving a little bit forward, um, I have Juju Smith. I'll just not going to touch on that. Big Ben returning. That would be correlate. Uh, I also have Baker Mayfield and the entire Browns offense. I think they're going to improve. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski coming in. They drafted Jedrick Wills. They have uh, Grant Delpit in the secondary. Yeah. Donald Peoples-Jones. I think they're going to be good. I actually want Baker. I think I have him number 15 in my fantasy quarterbacks. Um, but I think he, the only way to go is up for him, and I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if he finishes top 10 this year. Yeah. He still has Odell Beckham Jr., and everybody's sleeping on the dude. And the whole Browns team was pitiful, and the coach was awful. I said it. I tweeted it. I literally tweeted this after week two. I said, Freddie Kitchen should not be calling plays. And somebody, I think somebody, I don't, I don't know who it was, somebody was like, wow, that's really early. And I'm like, because he's he shouldn't. He's awful. Yeah. And look, he's he was fired after one season as the Browns head coach. So, yeah, I like that. I would have put Nick Chubb down as somebody to make a big jump, but he was so good last year. You'd have to have like historic numbers to make a big jump this year. He might regress though. I don't know. Because Kareem Hunt, towards the end of last season, Kareem Hunt was one of the. I don't want to say he was top five, but uh, like the last couple games of the season, PPR leagues, he caught a crap ton of passes. He was super involved, and I mean, I think they're both going to be really good fantasy wise. Nick Chubb is top five running back this year, but I don't know because what if. I don't know. That, that's, that's a situation there that I'm going to try and handcuff Kareem Hunt in a lot of my leagues. If Chubb goes down, Hunt is literally top five running back fantasy purpose. Yeah, so, I agree. Stavansky's scheme calls for tons of like outside zone runs, and it's going to benefit both of them, whoever gets the most carries. Yeah. So uh, as we end this podcast, you want to hit a couple fantasy uh, topics as we're heading out? Um, so I saw that you are kind of uh, – you have your picks of – Fantasy football position, so your position leaders, quarterback, mm-hmm. running back, receiver, who do you think will lead those positions ending the 2020 season? Yeah, so quarterback, I got Murray. Hot take, I know, probably way bigger on him than I should be, but we've talked about it so much. He's a threat with his legs, a mm-hmm. threat with his arm, and he just got new Hopkins, who's like the number one or two or three fantasy receiver every year. 
So then moving on to running back, I got CMC again. I think Matt Rule just cares so much about that versatile, quick guy who just can do whatever he wants him to do. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to have put up huge numbers. Mm-hmm. And then this one is Tyreek Hill, which might be a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. I just think that Cliff Kingsbury with that spread system and Murray running a lot with his legs, Nuke's not going to finish at the top like he does every year. He'll still be top five or ten, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be one or two like he usually is. And I think healthy Pat Mahomes all year long with more weapons around him, well, he'll get more targets as well. So I think oh, yeah. he'll be the top receiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to be cute sometimes when you're doing these and you're like, oh, I think, uh, you know, I don't know, Sam Darnold will be QB1 this year. It's just like it's easy to be cute. Mm-hmm. Um, some positions you just really can't. Like I have Mahomes uh, finishing his number one. You know, nobody would really be surprised. Uh, yeah. Like I agree with you on CMC. Um, there's no reason that you would put him other out outside the number one spot. Uh, I also have Barkley, though, if he can stay healthy. I think it could be CMC or Barkley. As mm-hmm. the Giants offense takes a step forward this year, I think if he can stay healthy and be involved in the passing game like he was last year and the year before and also just do Saquon Barkley things, I think he could be the number one running back. And then I have Devontae Adams as my receiver. Um, I, I think he's wide receiver one this year. Um, honestly, I'm you know, putting as my number one wide receiver heading in the year. Hopkins scares me um, a lot to what you said. Mm-hmm. I just don't think, uh, you know, as a number one option or a number one option in your fantasy, you know, number one pick in the draft. I don't think Hopkins is really going to produce that this year. So yeah. Uh, Mahomes, CMC or Barkley and Adams are my top three. Uh, Ooh, as what's that? Adams. I love that. Bro. He's, he's going to be targeted so heavily. They didn't even draft a receiver. So they has no choice. They didn't last year either though. That's what I'm saying. They literally has no one. And then Rogers, I, I think Rogers, either he's going to come out and he's going to audible every single run play to AJ Dillon. That's possible in disrespect to Matt LaFleur, or he's going to play with the wrath of God and he's going to throw 50 touchdown passes and it's going to be bad. So uh, Adams is sure to benefit from that. Uh, anyway, last topic of the day. I kind of added this. I don't think you know what this is going to be. But you know, we kind of already might have hit on this a little bit, but uh, I put quick fantasy talk. This is we're heading out. Quarterbacks in 2020. Is there mm-hmm. anyone that you were higher on or lower on than the consensus? I know you just talked about Kyler Murray a little bit. I mean, the consensus has him at four, um, you know, but you said you said one, so maybe a little bit higher there. But is there any maybe you're lower on or higher on? Yeah, I'd say I'm with you on Daniel Jones being higher than most. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think we were limited so much by our offense – or not by our offense, by our coaching and our play calling that the entire team's going to take a step forward. Um, not really a homer pick. I don't think he's going to be like top five or 10. I could see him being like 12 or 13, like just on the cusp. Mm-hmm. But I think he's going to be better than most people think because so much bad coaching hurt that team the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lower on, probably Aaron Rodgers. I had him on my player list to regress. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he's he probably will come out with a chip on his shoulder. But I think he has been on that like slight decline the last year or so. And I could see, like, between LaFleur wanting to run the ball more and that, he's not going to put up those big numbers he usually does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It could go either way for me. Uh, but those are all great picks. Uh, I'm a little lower on Deshaun Watson and Ryan Tannehill this year in fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think Watson losing Hopkins, you're going to feel that. And Tannehill, yeah. I think he was – he's sure to regress. I mean, like, it was insane. I think he's, I think he threw, like, a eight, his 7% of his passes were a touchdown last year, and that's just – Brian Tannehill can sustain that. Um, so I think he's going to regress a little bit. I have Watson at number nine and Tannehill at number 21. Uh, and then I think the best value right now is Big Ben, though, because he's not even getting drafted. And I think if he can stay healthy, Chase Claypool, Anthony McFarland Jr., Deontay Johnson will take that next step this year. And mm-hmm. then Juju Smith-Schuster could be pretty good. Who knows? I mean, yeah. he kind of sucks without Antonio Brown, though. So yeah. 
We really Don't sleep on James Washington either. Yes. But a lot of people think that Chase Claypool was like that, um, like the death sentence to James Washington. But I think Claypool could play tight end. I yeah. don't know. He's literally Evan Ingram. But you yeah, know what we're forgetting? Including, I'm forgetting this, is that the Steelers signed Eric Ebron. I forget that. That's true. I did forget so, that. So that's another weapon. I mean, because I know Vance McDonough was, like, highly touted when he signed with the Steelers. And, like, I mean, other than the stiff arm on, you know, what was it, Con- Chris Conti in that Monday Night Football game, he really didn't yeah. do a lot. And so, I don't know. I think they could be a really good offense this year. Uh, the only thing that, that scares yeah. me about his fantasy stock is their defense is really good. And I just – I want Big Ben to get in shootouts, and I want him to, like – play aggressive and keep his foot on the gas. I don't know if they'll have to do that this year. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything you want to add? Uh, no, I could see big Ben being a steal late. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, if he stays healthy, defense got better offense line stayed pretty much the same. And then they added more weapons for him through free agency, through developing the receivers they already drafted and adding Claypool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all we have written down today. So yeah, we got some mailbag questions though. Yes, I don't have those. Do you want to read those through? Yeah, yeah. So the first one that – this is one I came up with because I really wanted to talk about this. Okay. Which was – so every year in the draft, there's that one quarterback prospect that comes out of nowhere in terms of, like, where they were ranked going in to where they finish. So, like, for example, this year Burrow, who was, like, a sixth or seventh-round pick going into the season, number one pick. Murray, everybody wrote him off as a prospect, number one pick. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen was from Wyoming, not talked about, went top ten. And the list goes on. So excluding the obvious players like Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, mm-hmm. who's like your unexpected quarterback that you could see rising to be a top guy, not necessarily number one overall, but like a first round pick, but isn't like considered one right now. Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask. Hmm. I could see Kellen Mond. I almost put him down. It's just hard for me because like when you exclude Trevor Lawrence and all the top three guys, it's like, I don't really know. What to... I mean, there's some, there's some good options outside of that, but yeah. Um, I trust your opinion on this way more than mine. So who, I want to hear what you think. So there's three people I'm watching. Sam Ellinger, KJ Costello, and uh, Shane Buchel. I like Ellinger out of Texas. Yeah. I like that. I one. like him a lot. Texas Tebow. Yes. I like that a lot. So he's the guy I'm betting on. He's like my pick for it. I think teams are loving that running quarterback mold now. And he's like the Tebow Cam Newton type of running quarterback where he'll run through you. He won't be like super elusive. And he can still throw pretty well. He's gotten better as a passer each year so far. He has. So I'm betting on him developing more and turning into a late first round pick. But KJ Costello is the guy that I think will like has a better chance. Ellinger is the one I'm betting on, but KJ Costello looked like a first round prospect a couple of times at Stanford. And now he's going to Mike Leach's offense at Mississippi State, where he's gonna put up monster numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I can see either of them, but Sam's my guy. I uh, yeah, I'm with it. You you follow that stuff a lot more closer than I do, so I'm I'm all in. If you say Sam Ellinger is going to throw 50 touchdowns this year and win the Heisman and be the first round pick, <laughs> I'm all in there for it. But Kyle, Tra- I mean, I like, I do like Kyle Trask's size, um, and he improved almost every game under Dan Mullen. I don't think he, and think of it too, he wasn't really expected to start. It was kind of just thrown into that position when Felipe got hurt. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he moved at the board, but yeah, probably not number one. I, I don't see him going. Number yeah. One. Mm-hmm. So Anything then. The next question for the mailbag is favorite team and personality pairings for draft picks. So I got two. I like, I don't know if you had any. You go first. I need to think. So I get Kyle Duggar to the Patriots. <laughs> I think that's just like the most classic Bill Belichick pick. Yeah. A safety who does everything, who you can put in the linebacker, who can return kicks and punts. He's just going to be that like 
a next do it all player for Bill Belichick, who's going to be an all pro again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the next one I have is Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals. We talked about it a little bit. He's going to be able to do like everything for them. And I don't think they've had like a versatile player there since like they first got Chandler Jones, but then they just turned Chandler Jones into just a straight up pass rusher. And he's been a beast at it. Yeah. What about Jordan Love to the Packers? <laughs> I, I like it long term. I don't know. Um, I don't know. What was the the question? Was personality pairing like? Yeah. So like, it, I basically went with like play style because that's kind of like the personality. So like, Bill Belichick always targets those like versatile, yeah. do it all, small school guys, and that's like Kyle Duggar to the T. Yes, that was the funniest draft pick. Because we were all wondering when they – I think they had the 23rd pick and then they traded out of it. And then when it was finally time for them to pick, they were. I thought they were going to get – I had them going, getting A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa. And then Kyle – like a D3 or D2 play. It was just so, so yeah. Patriots. Yeah, or Ryan. <laughs> that's yeah, I was like, went to. what? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm honestly – I would have to agree with you. That's the only one that really sticks out is the, the Duggar pick because it just fits their system and culture mm-hmm. to a T. Um. Like, they don't care. Like, the one thing I respect about them is they just don't panic. Like, most teams would be like, oh, my God, Tom Brady left. I mean, we did a quarterback. We're going to trade up for one. And they would just grab somebody. Yeah. They, they just don't panic. And I think that's why they win. And I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this year. Like, if they're good. I mean, not Super Bowl, but if they're good this year and competitive. Yeah. I would not be surprised. Defense will win the eight games, like I said, oh, yeah. podcast. But they did lose a lot of defensive talent, though. So... But- we talked about it last week with some of the picks they got. They replaced, like, everybody. They did. Josh Uchey from Michigan. He's a Michigan guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, is there Bernie else Jennings. Yes. Yeah, so the last one is thoughts on Carolina going all defense with their draft class. The I only like offensive it. players they got were UDFAs. I like it. They already have a really solid young offense, so I don't think they really yeah. needed. Um, that wasn't a need. I like all defensive picks. I think I think Matt Rule knows what he's doing. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it as a fantasy thing because I don't think they're going to be – like when you put first-year rookies as your starters in main positions on defense, you're going to have some yeah. ups and downs. So I will be picking on the Carolina Panthers all season in fantasy football. So if, if a, a wide receiver, running back, quarterback is playing the Panthers, I will be owning them in DFS and I will yeah. be picking on them. But I do like it long-term. I don't think it's going to make yeah. the biggest impact like this year. Yeah, I think Derek Brown was a huge steal for them. He's going to make a big difference. The pick I liked the most they made was Jeremy Chin. Mm -hmm. I think Matt Rule saw, like, all the good tight ends that he's going to go up against and, like, how much Drew Brees and Tom Brady, like, throwing the seam. And he's like, let me just get a guy to take all that away. (laughs) And Jeremy Chin's going to lock down Gronk. He's going to cover the middle with uh, Michael Thomas running those seams. It's going to be interesting. I think he built his team to stop his other teams rather than trying to, like, outscore them. Well, that's a – I mean – yeah, to your point, that's the thing about Matt Rule is like he hates the rebuild process and he's usually turns the teams around very quick. Like Baylor and you know, they were really bad, then he gets there and then the next year they're like really competitive. Yeah. And that's even harder to do in college when you have to recruit and spend, you know, years doing that. So yeah, I, I like the pick. I like the direction of the team. I just don't think it's gonna be really relevant this year. I think next year Oh yeah, I agree they'll start being really good. But I, I like Teddy Bridgewater as, you know, offensively. I like, uh, you know, they obviously have DJ Moore. Uh, they lost Greg Olson, which is not really talked about a, a lot. He's now on Seattle. Yeah. Um, who, I, slipped my mind. Who did they have at tight end? They had, I want to say they drafted somebody a couple years ago. His name was Ian Thomas. Yes. Outside of that, I don't know who yes. else they have. 
Ian Thomas. That's exactly who it was. I was thinking about that the other day, and I was like, I need to Google that. And I just forgot because I was like, I don't know who. who I'm gonna do it now to. because I can't think of who else they have besides him. I don't know. They signed Seth DeValve from okay. Cleveland. If you remember him, yeah, he got like a couple of big games for them, but that was pretty much it. Somebody needs to go out and get Gary Barnage. <laughs> he'll, go, he'll go off for like four games a season. <laughs> That's going to be the title of this podcast, Gary Barnage and the uh, Bold Predictions for 2020. <laughs> People are going to think we're talking to Gary Barnage if you title it that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We're going to talk to Gary Barnage as a, as a fantasy sleeper for 2020. I, I'm looking at their roster right now, and I only recognize those two names, Ian Thomas and Seth Devolve. I don't yeah. recognize a single other person. Yeah. They have like six tight ends, but I don't know any of them. It'll be it'll be rough, um, but CMC, Ed just you know goes to your point as he's going to be the number one fantasy running back because he's going to get a lot of workload, a you know, heavy workload, especially after them paying him a lot of money too. So yeah, I just I've been seeing, down. I've been seeing a lot of people say they have no weapons, and it's like, did you watch them last year? DJ Moore's a beast. Curtis Samuel's going to take a jump. CMC is the best running back in the NFL. They have a lot of weapons. I think, don't sleep on Teddy Bridgewater either. He looked I mean, good with the Saints. He did. And, I mean, I know that's the Saints and, <laughs> like, Sean Payton and all those weapons. But Yeah, he could scheme up good play. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I It could be an interesting team this year. I don't think they're going to be relevant at all or competitive. But uh, they're going to put up some points. You know, they'll be yeah. able to do that. Um, anything else you want to hit before we head out? That's it. That's all I got. Cool. Well, as always, it's a pleasure. Love talking some football. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at TJ Shriano at Alex Burns Hoops, and then also our podcast Twitter, ATS Football Pod. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Let's talk some football. Also, according to sources, football has a YouTube channel where we actually put the podcast version. It's the video. So if you want to, you know, if you're a visual person, you like to watch us, mm-hmm. uh, our ugly faces, uh, go subscribe to us on that. Leave a comment if there's anything you want us to talk about. Any questions you have, want to write into our mailbag. Comment it on YouTube, comment it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever you can. Uh, go ahead and leave it, leave it in the comments. As always, guys, Alex Burns, TJ Shriano, enjoy your football. See you guys next week.